Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Warning here off the top, this show is not live. We are pre-recording this last week as you watch this right now. I'm enjoying some vacation, but we take these pre-recorded shows very seriously. Now, first of all, we try not to do too many of these because we like to be here for you live each and every day. After all, it's not Dog Nation Daily unless you do it each and every day. So we try to take that pretty seriously. But, you know, listen, I also enjoy spending a little time at the beach this time of year. So I'm enjoying myself there for that. Hope you have your own vacations and things like that planned here over the course of the summer. You take full advantage of that we certainly appreciate you taking dog nation daily presented by Palo window and door of georgia with you as you do all of that and obviously i'm thinking about all of you and excited about returning back here live again next week but for now i'm at the beach but with all that said as we said before we think we've got some really good shows here for you coming up here this week and one of the things i love is the debate that takes place around college football i just think it's a blast and of all of the intense debates we have around the sport The debate centering on who should make the college football playoff to me is about as much fun as anything could be. This is a debate that's been with us since 2014. That was the first year of the college football playoff and the sort of who's in, who's out type stuff is, especially when you get to about the midpoint of the season into October throughout the rest of the year, just that debate is always a ton of fun. And around here, we're very fortunate. We feel that way anyway to have a team like Georgia that won the national championship a year ago, was in the playoff in 2017, and is very much a part of the college football playoff conversation seemingly every year. It's just kind of nice to know that we cover a team and those of us who are Georgia fans that we cheer for a team that is in that kind of discussion. It's certainly better than the alternative. Certainly, you would agree. And yet, even though we are very used to the college football playoff debate being an intense one, and Georgia has been on kind of the winning side of that and the losing side in terms of not being included in the playoff before, we've experienced intensity on that in the past. But I sort of think that this particular year, there is maybe never been a playoff debate that's about to be as intense as this one is going to be. And I want to kind of set up a couple of things from the past years a way of kind of getting us going where we need to go today on this topic. First of all, let me go back to last October for a moment, because I think there was a particular comment that probably cemented the feeling that existed for most of last season that, by the way, turned out to be true. Now, I'll admit, when I first heard this, I wasn't quite so sure this was as true as the speaker Certainly seemed to believe it was himself, but as it turns out, he was right, and I was, at least my sentiment uh, there at the time. But what we were reminded of here now was about a year ago, folks sort of realized that, you know what, when it comes to the two very best teams in the country, it's clearly Georgia, it's clearly Alabama, the two teams that played for the SEC championship but eventually played for the national championship, that really no one was at the same level that they were at. Those two teams were kind of rubber stamped into the playoff well before we got to the postseason. In fact, let me give you Chris Felica here. You know him as the Bear from ESPN's College Game Day on one of those ESPN podcast type things. As early as very early October, Felica had kind of figured out that it was going to be Georgia and Alabama in some form or some fashion, both in the playoff. This is a reminder from last season. Here's the Bear, Chris Felica. There is nothing in my mind that could happen in an SEC championship game between 12-0 Georgia and 12-0 Alabama 
that would keep the loser of that game out of the playoff. If they're the two best teams all season long and they just happen to be in the same league and they have to play each other in the conference championship game, which is an extra game on the schedule, and one one loses to the other, it doesn't mean they're still not one of the best four teams in the country. Uh, they, they should both be in the playoff. The winner will be number one and the loser will be two or three. They won't be four. So let me explain to you why I play that. Because if Felica, and the word that he used that stood out to me last season when I first heard this was the word nothing. There is nothing that will prevent Alabama and Georgia from both being in the college football playoff. And you heard me say at the time last year, boy, I'm not quite so sure. I'm quite as confident in that, that the committee would like to have four teams representing four different conferences, four different parts of the country in the playoff if possible. I'm not quite so sure I would go so far as to use the word nothing on something like that, yet it turned out that Felico, for the most part, was kind of right, that really Georgia and Alabama, who met me in the SEC championship, were also on a collision course for the national championship game. And of course, you know how that turned out with the dogs winning. But my reason here on this is, is if that was true a year ago, that nothing could prevent Georgia and Alabama from both being in the playoff, what have we seen since then? Well, we saw Alabama win the first matchup, Georgia win the second matchup. Both these teams are very likely to start – in the un- in the official polls, both in the top three, they're both already for the most part in the top three of the unofficial polls. But when the AP poll comes out and the coaches poll comes out, both Georgia and Alabama are likely to be top three preseason in both those real official polls. When you look at Georgia, they're going to be a double digit favorite probably in every regular season game they play this year. Alabama may not quite be that, but in all honesty, they're probably going to be a double digit favorite in almost every game, if not all their games there as well. In other words, if it was a rubber stamp to put Georgia and Alabama in the playoff together a year ago, then isn't that even more true as you head towards 2022 that the reputation these two teams were starting to build last year has only grown since then and it becomes even easier to put both Georgia and Alabama back into the playoff for this upcoming season? But what about some of the extenuating circumstances that exist around this right now? As I'm recording this to air for you in the time that you're hearing it, we still have SEC spring meetings going on in Destin, Florida, and we're reminded of the fact that the SEC, Commissioner Greg Sankey in particular, has been pretty frustrated with some of the rest of college football because a lot of these entities, these leagues, these conferences, these high-powered executives had come together on a playoff expansion model seemingly they had agreement on moving towards a 12-team playoff and then because of some dissatisfaction about how the SEC handled the somewhat secretive expansion move to add both Texas and Oklahoma suddenly some of the rest of college football they weren't quite so sure they wanted to cooperate with the SEC anymore after that and suddenly they decided to grind gears on the playoff expansion and form an alliance against the SEC and suddenly anything the SEC might be for even out of spite some of the rest of college football has just sort of decided that it's against that is the backdrop in which this year's playoff debate is going to take place so while it may be easy based on on on-field considerations to put Georgia and Alabama both in the playoff again Can you really do that knowing there's now this alliance here that's looking to spite the SEC at every turn? Does it now become even more of a motivation to find somebody else other than that second-best SEC team to have the playoff? By the way, whoever that second-best SEC team turns out to be, uh, does it become even more of a motivation to find that team somewhere as a way of satisfying those who are concerned about a, a total, complete SEC takeover of the sport? And then there's the flip side of that. Well, what about the 
the innuendo that's been out there that maybe the SEC would create an SEC-only playoff sometime in the future. They would literally take their ball and go home or take their ball and go somewhere else and build a postseason that's different than the current one one is. And if you're the rest of college football, you know where there's less money to be made if suddenly we don't have a monopoly on the best programs. If Greg Sankey takes 16 or maybe he pulls two or four more and takes 18 or 20, whatever else, but if Sankey pulls the SEC out of all of this and moves in a different direction, suddenly that's potentially harmful to college athletics there. So are you maybe a little more concerned about running afoul of the SEC? Maybe you do give them the two playoff teams if they are truly deserving of it as a league because you don't want to make Greg Sankey and the SEC any more mad than it already is. We know the idea of the playoff expansion that eventually is probably going to happen but is not happening as of right now that kind of hangs as a little bit of a dark cloud over all of this. In fact, if you want to go back to last year, Kirby Smart was already understanding the 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 potential for expansion and how that was going to impact the decision that he and other coaches made going forward, that this was a very real idea to Kirby Smart, even as he spoke last summer. Once again, a little bit of a blast in the past to go back and remember Kirby's words. For us, uh, as a university, uh, you know, we've had, I guess, four consecutive years, you finish in the top – uh, 10, maybe the top seven or eight teams in the country. I mean, you're on the outside looking in a couple times because of maybe one game. You certainly uh, would like to see that opportunity to grow, uh, get more teams involved in that. Uh, it's certainly a very tough competition to get in those four right now, and uh, so much of it becomes who you played. And that's one of the really aggressive things we've done at Georgia is scheduling out. Uh, it's been my thought all along that if the CFP expands, the strength of schedule is going to play a major factor in that. So we want to go out and get uh, a lot of big games outside our, our natural SEC conference schedule. So when Smart was saying that, he obviously didn't know that he was about to be on the other side of any kind of playoff disappointment his team had experienced in the past, coming up short from winning the national title in 2017, being excluded from the Final Four in 2018. When Smart said those words, he didn't know they were about to exercise all those demons in such a big way there in 2021. But listening to Smart say that, describing what his team kind of felt like prior to the 2021 season, you could almost make those words from Kirby sound like a description of a different team as we enter into this 2022 year there as well. Some of what Smart says, couldn't that also be described a little bit as what Texas A&M is feeling right now? So here's another reason why the playoff debate here in 2022 is going to be so intense. The presence of another team in the SEC that's potentially playoff worthy, I think that makes for a very interesting discussion where maybe the loser of the SEC title game, be it Alabama or Georgia, maybe it isn't quite as easy to rubber stamp in the playoff this year because what if Texas A&M is also 11-1? and Let's say they miss out on winning the division, Alabama does that, but at an 11-1 regular season – could they make a playoff argument similar to what they had there in 2020 in the pandemic short year where they didn't play the full schedule, but they finished, what, fifth in the country after the regular season was done, almost got playoff consideration that year. Could A&M do even more than that this year? Now, the Vegas folks seem to be a little skeptical of that. Aggies don't have the world's highest over-under total, but a lot of these preseason rankings are going to have – Texas A&M solidly within the top 10. It is a very real possibility that they, much like Alabama and Georgia, certainly two teams that are more proven, but it's at least a possibility that A&M also joins the fray of potential playoff consideration here. So once again, if the discussion's about two SEC teams playing in the playoff, it could be a very real question to ask, well, which two is it? 
Is it the two teams that play for the conference title, or is it another SEC West team like Texas A&M that also heats up this debate as 2022 rolls on? Either way, I think it sets the stage for a a conversation on the college football playoff that's more intense than it's ever been. And then finally, there's this. The other thing that I think looms here very large for this year, and we've seen this before, by the way, but this year may be even more crucial than ever. Keep in mind where the college football playoff games are slated to take place this year, and keep in mind where the national championship game is slated to take place this year. See, last year, Georgia and Alabama, you can make the case, didn't have too much to play for in the SEC championship because they both made the college football playoff, and being the one seed may have not been all that valuable there last season. You better believe me when I tell you that this year, not just making the college football playoff, but where you're seated in the playoff, that is going to be a very big deal. One of the college football playoff games is slated to take place in Tempe, Arizona at the Fiesta Bowl. The other college football playoff game is slated to take place just a few miles from where I'm sitting right now in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The national championship game, of course, supposed to take place SoFi Stadium there in Los Angeles. So keep this in mind. Somebody is likely going to have to travel to Arizona for the college football playoff, come back home, get ready for another West Coast trip in uh, L.A. If you could stay in Atlanta, if you're Georgian, have to avoid uh, some of that West Coast travel, pretty clearly you'd want to do that if you could. So that's something else that looms pretty big as you head towards the upcoming season. Not just who you're competing with for the playoff, but where you're slotted once you get in. Do you get the one seed and the chance to play close to home in Atlanta? Do you get shipped out to Arizona only to be shipped back out to Los Angeles if you're lucky enough to make the national championship game? And how does the looming feud between the SEC and the so-called alliance here play into all of this? College football playoff debates are fun each and every year. But I don't know that we've ever had one more intense than the one we're about to have. If you're a UGA fan, the thing you love is your favorite team expects to be right in the middle of all of it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We normally do our first in 15, 945, dognation.com, and the Dog Nation app. I am on vacation this week. These are pre-recorded shows, so we'll get back to our normal video conversation next week. The show, of course, airing live. You're commenting with each other. I just can't interact with you myself, but I'll look forward to doing that again next week. And, of course, we appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. Energy-efficient windows and doors, uh, that's what you—that's what they can do for you. Had a chance to see this myself. I was at the Pella showroom in Duluth a couple of weeks ago. We had a great time doing our show there and a chance to really experience the product, what makes it the best, all the the, the, the great you know uh, products they have in the showroom there and in the warehouse. They're shipping out all over the place. It's amazing to see the commerce they're doing. And it's great to know that so many folks in our audience have recognized them. Uh, Pella Window and Door of Georgia as the place to go when you're ready for your house to look better on the outside, feel better on the inside, and take advantage of great savings there, too. Because between now and July 2nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 full months. So make sure you find out more about this by going to the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1496. 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We're going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, which is assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I want to kind of at least 
have a little bit of a continuation of the discussion we were just having a moment ago. I do believe the playoff debate this year, because of the fact that one of these games is in Atlanta, because you've got the SEC, at least in some form or fashion, kind of feuding with much of the rest of college football, because there is this possibility that another team out of the SEC at least somewhat emerges as playoff worthy, we may see a debate that's more intense around the playoff than we've ever seen before. But there is also one aspect of this that I find to be pretty intriguing, which is that most of the sort of media talking head folks who kind of come up with their playoff for right now are going to have Georgia and Alabama both in it. And I mentioned Texas A&M a moment ago. The truth is most folks as of yet won't have the Aggies as a playoff team, but they'll at least have a preseason ranking that gives them a chance to be in that discussion. But most folks right now won't have Texas A&M there, but a team that will be there along with Georgia and Alabama will be Ohio State. Those are the three teams that most of the fans, most of the media who are going through the exercise of naming their top four right now, those are the three teams that will be most commonly mentioned, which leads to the discussion of, well, who is that fourth? And that is not a particularly easy thing to answer. It stands to reason that it probably won't be a third SEC team if both Georgia and Alabama are definitely in. Is it a Big 12 team? A lot of Texas fans hope they'll be there. We'll have more on the Longhorns later this week as it relates to Georgia. You've also got what I think is a pretty fascinating first-year coach and Brent Venables there in Oklahoma. A little bit of a return to what once made Oklahoma good, maybe a greater emphasis on defense for the Sooners here right now. Uh, they also have a transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. Could they be a playoff uh, team worth discussing? Could Oklahoma's old coach now at USC, could Lincoln Riley be a part of this? Could the team that Georgia plays week one, Oregon, be a part of all of this? Could you consider some team from the Pac-12 in that discussion? Or do we get back to, and this is probably where I think it gets most interesting of all, do we get back to the other team that for so many years here recently in the playoff era has been, much like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State feel right now, a rubber stamp for the college football playoff? The team I'm, of course, talking about is Clemson. How does Clemson fit into the national conversation here this year? Now, last year around this time, we were talking a bunch about the Tigers because Georgia was about to play Clemson in the season opener. Well, that's not the case here this year. But you're left to wonder, in the aftermath of Georgia beating Clemson, which it did last year, did that also kind of end Clemson's time as a national power? Did it end Clemson's time as a legitimate playoff contender? Tigers were not very good offensively last season. Also sustained some defensive injuries after playing Georgia that made Clemson just sort of feel less than it once was. Now, you are seeing a little bit of a return to normalcy in terms of some folks here this offseason predicting that Clemson will be back in the college football playoff. But it wasn't that long ago. You want to go back to last fall, you had big, loud mouths like that of Paul Feinbaum on ESPN saying in the aftermath of Georgia having beaten Clemson, the Clemson era, the dynasty or whatever you want to call it, that Dabo Swinney had led Clemson to, that was all basically over. This is what Feinbaum said on ESPN TV about that last fall. Dabo's dynasty is done. Oh. I do not like anything I see there. They, they've lost one coach a couple of years ago to USF. I think that was a big loss. This is a staff that has always been together, but I think it's getting stale. Yes, recruiting is still good, but will it be elite after what we just got through watching Greeny? It just doesn't look like Clemson is part of the cool kids anymore, and I think that they're going to pay for it in recruiting, and they play in a terrible league, which will hurt them even more. 
Imagine being told by someone who looks like Paul Feinbaum that you're no longer one of the cool kids. <laughs> Imagine how that much set with you to have to hear that. But what he says, though, from a college football standpoint is at least it has the appearance of somewhat feeling true, right? That you are left to wonder, is Clemson still among the national elite? There are some in this offseason who are saying they are. There are others who are saying, after what I saw a year ago, the the lack of great quarterback play, no longer having a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence in this program anymore, is this still even a great team? Is this still even a deep roster? Is Dabo Swinney's recruiting deficiencies and his hard-headedness when it comes to taking on transfer players, things like that? Is all of that kind of coming to fruition here for a team that's just simply not what it once was? I mentioned a moment ago, the playoff debate is going to be very intense. And part of that centers also around who is the fourth team that tries to crash that party? Is it a Big 12? Is it a Pac-12? Is it another ACC team such as Miami? Or can Clemson restore what it once had prior to taking that week one loss to Georgia a year ago? Is this still an elite team? Even though Georgia doesn't play them in the regular season, you better believe that plenty of dog fans and a lot of other folks around college football are going to be watching very closely to try to find out the answer to that very question right there. And that is Around the Doghouse, and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. Now, you know AAA when it comes to legendary roadside assistance. They're famous for that. But did you also know they're a great resource for you when it comes to switching and saving on your auto insurance as well? Because when you switch and save with AAA, you're going to save on average $472 right here in Georgia. So, dog fans, you can get auto insurance through AAA right now, and you can save some real good money. So, go to 833-718-2075. That's the phone number. Dial 833-718-2075, and you can find an agent near you, and you can uh, really get involved there and make a great decision to switch your auto insurance triple a and put some more money in your pocket now by the way when i do this also gives me a chance to do my legal disclaimer read so let's see if i can uh, do this without tripping up here today too much coverage is subject to all policy terms conditions exclusions and limitations subject to underwriting requirements as well insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliated insurance companies new policyholders obtaining auto insurance to triple a in georgia and tennessee save a combined average of 472 dollars savings average varies by state 492 for georgia 451 dollars for tennessee average savings per year were based on survey results from july 2020 to december 31st 2020 provided by new policy Policyholders reporting the dollar difference between the prior carriers and the insurance through AAA. Discounts and savings opportunities are subject to eligibility requirements. Terms and conditions savings accounts may vary. Copyright 2022, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved. Not too bad. Not too bad. We feel like we got that one okay. Either way, uh, glad to have AAA with us as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. Also happy to have all of you with us in some pre-week, I should say pre-recorded vacation week shows. A lot of fun to be able to do that. Also fun to be able to talk to John Stinchcomb. So without further ado, what do you say we do that right now? From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Great chance to talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. John's also been quite a trooper as of late. You know, John has been a regular Monday guest for ours for a long time, but gosh, it's been almost a month since we've done a regular Monday show in studio, or at least, you know, with Memorial Day and my vacation right now, we've had remote broadcasts. It's just been quite a while since we've done this in kind of a normal format. So John's been quite flexible. So let me just say publicly, John, I certainly appreciate your willingness to just sort of roll with the punches. You've been quite a trooper here as of late. Well, I'm happy to participate in any way, shape, or form that uh, you avail the opportunity to me. That's uh, well, that, you, yeah. that's good to hear. The last time we were together, we talked a lot about the 
uh, athletic board meeting, something you're a part of, and that was really interesting. And since then, there's also the SEC spring meetings that have taken place. Honesty compels me to admit they're actually ongoing while we're recording this, but by the time our audience sees this live, uh, it'll already have happened. But get a chance to hear from a lot of these you know key figures including Kirby Smart about the future of SEC scheduling and you know John one of the things I've said on our show about this is that I think that there is room for disagreement on certain things certain times and I think it's fine to have a slightly different perspective I kind of see a little bit of both sides of this in terms of whether you're a fan who wants more of the rivalries you've come to appreciate such as like say the Auburn rivalry which maybe kind of hangs in the balance depending on what the SEC decides to do or if you want more of the kind of SEC games you haven't gotten a lot of which is Texas A&M or maybe more regular season games against Alabama something that Georgia has never really done all that much of on the rotational model that's been in place now for quite some time or if you want more of the out of region games like you know playing at Notre Dame playing Notre Dame just in general or or Ohio State some of these other teams you know what do you kind of favor here on this is it the kind of thing where whatever it takes to get more of the SEC games you haven't seen more of the out of region games or do you want to preserve tradition with those rivalries if you had to choose kind of one option what's most interesting to you well, I certainly want to preserve some of the oldest rivalries that we have. And I, I like the opportunities that are availed with even having this kind of conversation because, quite honestly, the, the, the Vandys and the Kentuckys don't always motivate me to say, man, I'm really fired up about this week. Now, being able to rotate them in across a, a bevy of SEC opponents, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I certainly don't want to sacrifice uh, some of these rival games, Auburn, Florida. Um, those are kind of non-negotiable to me. I, I think that would be mainstays that you, you build out from and you, you can't sacrifice some of the oldest traditions and rivalries that uh, fans have loved. And I certainly have been a part of that love. Um, but being able to have this discussion and understanding that the landscape has changed and opening up um, all of our eyes to the opportunities of, man, I, I would like to see some of these campuses that, that I haven't been to, Texas A&M included, um, and, and being able to kind of expand and think outside of the box a little of what that looks like, um, I think is, is an exciting proposition in a very much changing landscape across all of college football. So, I'll be interested to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And listen, all I can do is express my own opinion. I have no idea how much my opinion aligns with others. But like the one thing I don't find myself saying as a fan is, ooh, what's it going to take for Georgia to play the easiest schedule possible? I just don't think that way, even though a tougher schedule might, in some respects, limit Georgia's success, at least theoretically. I like the idea, and we talked about this last week on our show, I like the idea that Kirby Smart is saying, hey, we want to play big games. We want exciting matchups. That's kind of seemingly his motivation, whether it be more conference games or more out-of-conference games, whatever else, just the need for more big games on the Georgia schedule because that's what everybody kind of wants. Elite players want to be validated by playing in big games. Fans want to gravitate 
towards those big games, just more excitement around a big game. And I kind of like the idea that seems to be where Smart's mindset here is. I mean, there is a way to pad your schedule and guarantee yourself something close to an undefeated record, but when it's all said and done, I'm not quite so sure that's going to feel as good as the way it would feel when you earn a big win. The flip side is big games create the opportunity for more losses, but hey, to me, that's still better than the alternative. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I never liked the uh, look of just playing the patsies that, you know, you look across the board and uh, there's teams that certainly pad their uh, seasons in ways that, that Georgia has not. And I respect the fact that Coach Smart has sought out and uh, wants to play in the big games and make it a consistent uh, affair for Georgia. And I, I think fans can appreciate that because we've all looked at the schedule and looking at home games and you say, I you know, are we going to win by 45 or 60? I mean, it's not a matter of whether it's a close game. I'd much prefer the games that are uh, more more of a test, if you will. And I think Georgia's done a great job of that. I think when they scheduled Oregon and you, you faced a look at the Notre Dame games, they brought in good level competition and uh, want us to have a great experience as fans and not shying away from the cost that it might have of not having off weeks while still playing an, an opponent. And uh, I look forward to more of that. I, I wish that would become the standard across the board because it would level the playing field a little bit when you look at some of the other teams' out-of-conference opponents and go, man, that's not anywhere close to, to the level of competition that Georgia has, has chosen to play. Talked a little bit before you joined us about the fact that I think that we are setting up for a playoff debate in 2022, which could be more intense than maybe anything we've seen in the past for a number of reasons. First of all, there is this ongoing feud, kind of a quiet feud between the SEC and some of the other leagues about the playoff expansion, the fact that there seem to be some grinding of the gears, some intentional spiteful behavior on the part of the so-called alliance against the SEC after the uh, expansion to 12 that had been agreed upon and so that sort of hangs in the balance this year where you know last year you had two SEC teams in the playoff that's something that league commissioner Greg Sankey's kind of patted himself on the back for that the playoff format's working out pretty well for the league right now but John do you reasonably assume that the league could get two SEC teams back in the playoff just given how contentious some of the feeling around some of this kind of feels to be right now do you have an early read on that here at the moment if they've been bitter, they're only going to get more bitter because <laughs> the, the stratification of football is at hand. And the SEC continues to distinguish themselves from every other conference. There's a handful of teams that are in the discussion that are not related to the SEC. And, of course, the other conferences don't like it, but I think it's only going to worsen the situation I, when, when – Greg Sankey is talking about, well, maybe SEC has its own tournament. Um, and then you go, whoa, you know, for every other conference is going, uh, we need the SEC to be a part of it. You talk about a national champion. Obviously, the SEC provides the most recurring and best candidates on an annual basis. There are other teams, Ohio State, Clemson in the past, which, you know, maybe they've jumped the shark. But, you know, there are other teams outside of the SEC that, that are recurring 
names that are in that discussion, but you flip the card around and say, all right, what's it look like for a champion to be named without the SEC? And it, and it obviously rings hollow because um, the SEC has distinguished themselves. And I think that's the, the frustration that you've heard at times from Sankey and really any representatives from the SEC is, these, these conferences are, are feeling sorry for themselves and kind of pouting and, and pitching a small fit to influence things that ultimately I think will be even more detrimental than trying to find ways to um, expand and make sure that the, the bell of the ball, which is the SEC, is uh, in accordance and still on the same page to, to make sure they're included. The other thing that kind of comes up here is this year, one of the playoff semifinal games will be slated to take place in Atlanta, and that's obviously a huge advantage if you're Georgia, even Alabama there as well. would prefer to play the game in Atlanta. I remember being in Pasadena after that game in 2017 and just how ready Kirby Smart was to get back on that plane and get home, fly that 3,000 miles away and get back to uh, Athens and start preparing for a national championship game, which that year was a much shorter calendar than normal. It was a week later the national championship game was taking place, a little bit different than it normally does. But, John, you also played in the NFL where long travel is a lot more of a reality than it is in college football where most of your road trips are actually fairly short. I mean, uh, like how important do you think it is to, whether you think about playoffs and things like that, avoid that long plane flight and the, the, the schedule adjustment you have to go through when you're changing time zones and things like that? The national championship game this year, after all, is in Los Angeles. How important a consideration is long travel time zone changes for a team like what Georgia may go through later on this postseason? Well, I <laughs> – NFL teams try to minimize the effects of it, and, and they're very aware of how it can influence performance. And so that's, that's a factor. I think uh, when you start talking about postseason and bowl games and the opportunity to uh, go to a location days in advance to try to minimize the effects of the actual travel and the toll that takes on a, on a body, um, those are all factors. And when, when you're talking about having to do that multiple times, it's different than the NFL. The NFL, that's, this is your job. It's your only focus. When you factor into the uh, equation that they are still student athletes and have school, um, at least through parts of December, um, that would very much enter into the equation. <laughs> the, the more you can play closer to home, the more advantageous it is for you. Just, it, it just makes good sense. So um, I, I certainly think that across the board, teams are aware. Now, you want to be in the, in the conversation, and it is a, uh, it's a good problem to have that you might have to travel to, to be a part of you know, the college football playoff series, but it's still a factor. Uh, and finally, there's this. I also mentioned the other debate that's kind of out there right now which is who that fourth playoff team ends up being this year. There's a fairly easy rubber stamp where people are going to say, well, hey, probably more likely than not, Georgia and Alabama are back in there together again. Ohio State becomes a pretty easy team to imagine coming out of the Big Ten. But that leaves a door open for a fourth team to emerge there, and that's where you kind of circle back around to a team that at one point in time was also a fairly easy team to include in every playoff. That was Clemson. And yet last year, after losing to Georgia – 
Clemson just never really quite looked like that same team, maybe even that same program again. As you think ahead of the upcoming season, without getting into like the full roster and the depth chart and things like that, do you still consider Clemson to be among the national elite, or did the less than stellar performance a year ago change that for you? I, it changed it for me. I think they're a program. You know, you look across the the landscape of college football and. As programs, I think you see some arrows pointing up and arrows pointing down. Uh, you don't have to go too far. I think Texas A&M and, and Tennessee, whether it's NIL influenced or not, they're putting together rosters and making changes that um, are going to improve their program. Whereas Clemson, uh, and, and this is based in, in conjunction to their performance uh, last year and also recognizing that they're in a conference where there's not a lot of heavy competition. So their, their records are going to reflect a, a much stronger team, in my opinion, than what they probably have in reality. But I don't think they're um, in, a, in the same position as an Ohio State or um, some of the, the heavy hitters in the SEC. I just, you know, they're not the same Clemson program that, uh, that is built the way they were five, six, seven years ago. John, great stuff. S- certainly thank you so much for your willingness to be a part of these uh, vacation shows here for me this week and hope you're enjoying your own summer there as well. And we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you again as the season starts to get a little closer. We start to get very excited about what Georgia football is going to be about mm. for this upcoming year. So can't wait to do more of that with you and certainly we'll look forward to doing that then. Always a pleasure, B.A. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really good stuff from John Stinchcomb there. And obviously, even though this is a pre-recorded edition of our program, each day this week we've got great interviews with the regular cast of characters you've come to expect around this program, including good stuff from John right there. We've also got a great series of SEC Through uh, topics we're going to be doing here this week. I'll tell you more about those coming up. But let me remind you before we get there that as I'm on vacation, it's time for you to think about your own vacation there too. And of course, Great time to think about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation there as well. And there are really a couple different options. You know, you can do the three or four night sailing. That's a great way to experience that maybe first time cruise type vibe. You want to go down to Port Canaveral, close to Orlando. That's where I like to sail out of a lot of times. That's a great experience for that. But let me also tell you this, that maybe you're just ready for the big boy. Maybe you're just ready for a seven-night sailing on one of those Oasis-class ships maybe and just to kind of enjoy all the features, the benefits, the great amenities that come with a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Uh, great ports of call. You can, obviously, a lot of those itineraries include a stop by at Perfect Day, Coco Cay. That's always great, but also includes the specialty restaurants on board the ships and so many other fun things there as well. And you may have questions about, hey, what is the best cruise for me? Well, our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out with that. You can find them online, TC ava.com that's tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 can we maybe bring that music down just a tiny little hair there as we uh roll into our sec throws here's what we're going to do obviously i enjoy this time of year on vacation it gives you a chance to kind of spread your wings a little bit and i think the sec throughs or as we call them around here cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i think sometimes to do a little bit of a league preview during a vacation week just makes sense. It's about the time of year we should be doing this. So here is the format that I'm going to do for that here this week, and hopefully I think you'll enjoy this. I'm going to look at one big question for every SEC team. Now, obviously, you can almost ask the same question about a number of these teams, 
but I'm going to look and I'm going to try to make them different, you know, at least somewhat unique in comparison to each other. But we're going to look at each team in the SEC other than Georgia. We spend the rest of the show talking about Georgia. But over the course of the next five days, one big question for each team in the SEC. We'll do a little bit of most days. We'll do some east, some west. I'm going to begin here with the Florida Gators. Now, one of the things you'll hear us get into this week during the show is what probably is my number one question for Florida, which is how it's going to handle its early season schedule. There are a lot of home games prior to that matchup against Georgia. A lot of these really add up to be winnable games for Florida. We're going to do some of this tomorrow on the show. So I'm going to save that for then, and let me ask a different question of Florida in light of that. Here's my question. How good is this defense going to be? And specifically when it comes to Florida – how good are they going to be up front with, you know, Brenton Cox has already kind of talked a lot about wanting to be Georgie. He mentioned that on Instagram the other day. Javon Dexter's still there. That's a guy that's going to get some NFL draft love as you head towards the spring of 2023. But it's the presence of Dexter and uh, Brenton Cox here. Is that enough to create a formidable pass rush for Florida and create a scenario in which, you know, the Gators actually, you know, bring something to the table defensively? I think that Florida is one of those swing teams in the SEC. With a first-year coach, they could fall flat and be terrible. Or if you get enough pieces in place, you could have happened what happened for some first-year guys a year ago, which is maybe a, a little more success there. But that's one of those things that I find myself kind of looking in on to see how good I think Florida maybe can be defensively. After the Florida Gators, let's talk for a minute about the Texas A&M Aggies. Here's my one big question for Texas A&M. What's going to happen with this quarterback competition? And I guess the the two names we'll mention most prominently here, although there is a young guy in the competition, but the two games we'll mention most prominently, Haynes King, who was supposed to be the starter a year ago, but obviously lost his season due to injury, and Max Johnson at one point in time was the guy at LSU, had his moments there before transferring out of that program and coming to Texas A&M. Between either Johnson or King, can Texas A&M find its quarterback? And this is one of those questions that could have huge ramifications, not just for Texas A&M, but for so much of the rest of the SEC there as well. Because a and is going to be kind of a weird team in that, you know, if you look at over-under projections, you know, things along those lines, they're actually relatively meager for Texas A&M. They're only at about you know, eight or nine, you know, somewhere for the upcoming season. That's another three or four loss regular season campaign for the Aggies if the odds makers end up being correct on that. But preseason projections from like, human polls or or you know kind of the unofficial magazine type stuff a&m's pretty prominently mentioned in the top five of many of those so which of the two scenarios turns out to be the most true about texas a&m obviously it's the quarterback spot that probably will determine that one way or another aggies didn't have much offense last season and really thus far haven't had other than the game against alabama weirdly enough but haven't had much offense period in the jimbo fisher era thus far if they are going to be better than their season win total projections suggest, finding something more at quarterback than they had a year ago with Zach Calzada is going to be crucial there on that. Then one final big question for an SEC team. We'll come back and do some more of these tomorrow. It involves the Kentucky Wildcats, one of those teams that you know, you're going to see them in preseason top 25s. Uh, we've joked around about the chatter about, ooh, could maybe Kentucky pull the upset against Georgia? It is a road game for UGA that I respect. But unfortunately, the big question around Kentucky right now centers on a reason why some of those lofty hopes might not end up coming true. It relates to Chris Rodriguez, the running back, who's dealing with all kinds of off-field issues and seems to have kind of clashed the coaching staff there. His future there in Lexington right now, very much in doubt. We don't know if he's going to play the season at all. It's a very real possibility, it sounds like. More to come on that in the weeks ahead, you'd think. But the point here is, what is Kentucky without Chris Rodriguez? A 
returning running back who's among the best in the league if he's on the field and doing what he's supposed to be doing. But if he's not, what is Kentucky, you know, given the fact you don't have Liam Cohen as your offensive coordinator anymore, and you're going to try to lean more on uh, Will Levis, the quarterback. But if you don't have Rodriguez, the staple running back, what does that mean for the Wildcats? My assumption is probably nothing good. So while we probably haven't talked about this topic on this show as much yet as we probably should, as you start to really think about who these teams are going to be for the upcoming season, whether or not Kentucky has its starting running back is truly a very big question for the Wildcats as we head towards the uh, start of 2022. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And so as we wrap up today's show and we wrap up a lot of these vacation shows here this week, one of the things we're going to do is I've been wanting to do this for a while is go back into our archives, so to speak, and kind of bring back some blast from the past uh, for our golden shoes. Now, unfortunately, some of these, as I went back and dug through, actually I didn't have as much identifying information as I thought I had about who had sent this in and what this was, but we're still going to go back and look at some of these uh, going back uh, to last couple of years, really, of doing the golden shoe on this show. It's something I've had a lot of fun with. We'll show you a winner for today here. How about Jermaine King sending this in? First of all, yeah, a very forgotten era of this program is back when we were doing the show from home during the pandemic i had grown a beard first of all that alone is pretty weird uh, jermaine king said they were awarding me the savage pads for unveiling gator hater eddie and the golden shoe i guess that was when we first kind of got going there on that that's really funny from jermaine king good stuff we'll make him a repeat winner of the golden shoe kind of a best of golden shoe winner we'll also remind you speaking of the lousy stinking gators 4,887 days since they have won a national championship. That's no good. And 145 days from right now, dogs back in Jacksonville, beating up on them again. That's your Gator Hitter Countdown. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We'll see you again tomorrow.